where we focus on how we can improve our physical health so that we can enjoy the life God has called us to, to the absolute fullest. What's up, ladies? I hope you're having a great day so far. I am hanging out here with my littlest man who is just about nine weeks right now, so I'm sure you will hear him. This is one of those I had on my nap time schedule to record two podcasts and their naps just didn't all line up. So my four-year-old and my almost two-year-old are down and this guy is with me for now. So <laughs> uh, if you hear weird sounds, you just know it's it's not weird, it's baby sounds. All right, my name is Brittany. Welcome if it's your first time here and if you are here all the time, welcome back. I run fitboundlifetothefulls.com and I am a personal trainer, group fitness instructor, all those things. Actually, I need to start saying too, postpartum and prenatal specialist. I did acquire that certification officially during my last pregnancy. So that is fun too. I'm officially a specialist in those specific times for women, which actually I'm just recording this too after a really good workout. I've kind of realized just personally, this just I think applies because so many of you are pre and postpartum. And I want you to know that I get it. This was my third baby, fourth pregnancy. I've been through a lot of the same things that you have, or if it's like your first go around with this, you're, you know, hearing maybe hints of things to come. But it, this is always a weird time for me where you go from the gent, like you, you know, modify during pregnancy, you're trying to take it a little bit easier, not push your body to the max. And then postpartum time is so odd because you don't feel any core support, especially like those first couple weeks. Felt like the first two weeks that you can't even like sit up straight in your chair. And then you're doing your postpartum recovery exercises and all those things, still trying to take it easy and you should be, you know, not straining your core too much. But then you can very easily sit in that and forget to kind of test your body out, forget to kind of intensify. That's exactly where I'm at right now. I was doing all my core rebuilding right from week about four postpartum. And now is the time where I can start intensifying and I have not been. And I have been like a little bit nervous too, a little bit, you know, timid with it. You don't want to push your body too soon. And today, all of a sudden, I don't know what it was. I didn't have caffeine before it, but i it's a beautiful fall day. We had a beautiful morning together, the boys and I. We went to Adoration. We went to the library. We came home, and it was so nice out. I'm like, we've been inside so much. Let's just take, like, don't even go inside. Do not pass go, because you know how it is. Once you lose one, you lose them. Like, let's just go straight to the backyard and read all of our books, because you know that's all they want to do, at least my boys, when we first get home from the library, then they want to read everything. So I'm like, let's do it outside. I can't be inside anymore. So I don't know, that pumped me up where I was so excited to, for nap time where, like, all right, I'm just going to dive into a workout and just go at it. And it felt really good to push the pace, push the intensity a little bit, all with, you know, form and making sure my core was braced above all, you know, and those kinds of things. So don't be afraid to, once you've put in the work, if this is you, if you're in that postpartum stage, or... And or it's just a reminder to all of you who are not at the postpartum stage to make sure you're pushing yourself. The last two weeks of workouts, I've just been kind of floating through them and I knew I wasn't working my hardest. And yes, there's a reason to kind of be cautious, but just check yourself. If you're not feeling like you're giving it your all, you're probably not. (laughs) All right, I'm going to totally switch gears because today we are not at all talking about working out. We are going to talk about healthier baking swaps and 
I am such a seasonal baker here. I love to cook and I love to bake all the time, but definitely when fall hits, fall and winter, all I want to do is bake. And I realized I was uh, saying this to a friend the other day. She had posted on her Instagram stories that the Great British Baking Show was back on. And I messaged her and was like, that is so funny. They must do this seasonally because they're like, okay, fall cooking vibes and baking vibes. Let's bring this back because it totally works on me. I'm like, all right, let's make brownies. <laughs> all right, let's make this. And first, before I even get into these healthier swaps, I just want to acknowledge the fact that you can eat whatever you want to eat. Okay, we also have our beginner macro and nutrition or macro and workout challenge going on right now. And that's something that I'm saying constantly. You don't have to make lighter versions of everything. However, like if you're craving a real full fat brownie, make a real full fat brownie or go buy a real full fat brownie. But you obviously can't have that all the time. I promote eating 80% whole clean nutrient rich foods, okay? And then 20% of the time enjoying those treats. So that, you know, store-bought brownie should fall in your 20% of the time. So that means not very often are you having it, okay? Kind of like I love apple cider donuts. I make them once or twice a year. I was talking about them the other day. And I make an absolute full-fat version. It is the New York Times recipe. It's like four sticks of butter or something atrocious. And it just is what it is. I enjoy it. It is very rare, okay? But if you're finding yourself even seasonally, again, wanting to bake more and you want to do healthier swaps. An example of this for me is that I firmly believe in Sunday treats. That's something that Ben and I value that we don't want to raise our kids with, that we only eat vegetables and we only, you know, we never have processed foods, yada, yada. You can never have a treat. No, I love celebrating the Lord's Day. I love celebrating Sundays as a day of rest and a day of having treats. So, and you know, a treat doesn't mean that we go crazy all day, but I like to have a treat for after dinner on Sunday or sometimes Sunday morning if I make cinnamon rolls or donuts or something like that. So this is a really good opportunity since we're having it weekly to use some of these healthier swaps and or if you even just want to make something for daily, you know, use for daily snacks, daily breakfasts, like if you're going to have omelets and chicken sausage and a healthier muffin, but you find a recipe that you're like, this is not the cleanest. How could I clean it up? Then go for some of these swaps. Okay. So that's my disclaimer. When you want that full fat brownie, have that full fat brownie. But here are some healthy swaps for in between. Because again, ladies, the last point I'm going to make on that, a lot of times the macros can be the same. You could have a store-bought brownie or you could make an avocado brownie at home, and it could be the same macros because avocados are still high fat. However, here's the big but there, it's a healthy fat, it's good for your brain, it is it is more rich in nutrients. So, you know, you're never gonna lose making these healthy versions, and if you totally always prefer the healthy versions, that's cool too. My tastes tend to change when I have not had the store-bought process, whatever, my, my taste totally changed to preferring the healthier tasting cookie. I send out, um, I don't know what program it's in. A lot of you probably have this recipe by now. It's in one of my programs. A grain-free chocolate chip cookie recipe, and it's almond flour-based. I enjoy it so much more than a store-bought cookie. Like, I will not give a store-bought cookie 
<laughs> my calories that I don't find it worth it. That's like if I was at a party and there's store-bought cookies or there's, I'm not being a snob about it. I'm trying not to be a snob about it. But I'm just saying if there's store-bought cookies and beer or wine or something, I'm going to just skip the cookies and have a beer or wine instead as a treat because I just don't enjoy them as much. So some of these you might just find you actually like the taste better too. So that's when you know things are going well when you start actually liking the taste of these healthier ones more. So I'm going to start with sugar. So if you have a recipe for good old-fashioned white table sugar, you can go ahead and just sub that with a cleaner, more natural sugar option. Um, The reason you would is that white table sugar converts to glucose in your body very quickly. You metabolize very quickly, which means you're going to spike your blood sugar very quickly. It's going to make that spike in blood sugar, and then it drops where you then feel tired, like that that carb crash. So this goes, you know, for a lot of like white products. I'll get into that too with the flowers, but that's why sugary foods give you that boost and make you crash. It's a blood sugar spike and then you come down from it. So these other options tend to metabolize in the body a little bit more slowly and it keeps it a little bit more even. You don't get that huge spike and crash. Coconut sugar is one substitution you can use that I find is a pretty clean swap. Like if a recipe calls for a fourth a cup of sugar, you can pretty much just trade in a fourth a cup of coconut sugar with really not having to make any other modifications. Maple syrup and honey are two other ones that are also very natural sources of sugar. I will say though, both of those, you just need to kind of watch the recipe with what you're doing. Like if it's supposed to be a muffin batter. Just keep an eye on the consistency. If you're using one of those more liquid sweeteners like a maple syrup or a honey, you might have to compensate by adding just a touch more flour or something if it made it a little bit more watery, especially with maple syrup is a runnier consistency than honey. So sometimes you need to even that out a little bit with like a little bit more baking powder and a little bit more flour. I like to use honey in uh, those protein energy balls that I make all the time for my kiddos. They eat them pretty much every morning for breakfast. And I use, it's oats, peanut butter, flaxseed, honey, dark chocolate chips, cinnamon, and protein. Sometimes, most of the time, because it's just nice to get protein in there. And I will use honey in there, but maple syrup I've been using a little bit more in muffins and uh, cookies as well. Yeah, muffins and cookies. Okay, next swap you can look at is trading in your oil, especially if a recipe calls for like a canola oil or vegetable oil. Swap on, you can swap that out for applesauce or this fits with the season very well, pumpkin. And on with both of those, you're just going to get more nutrients. So the applesauce and the pumpkin are both going to have more fiber and it's just a more natural source of, you know, giving it that oily consistency That too, I have found in my experience that you can pretty much clean swap, that you don't need to really tweak other things as much. Okay, next up is butter. So if you are looking to cut some of the butter from a recipe, this is where you can use avocado. So a neighbor made these for me when I was, uh, when I just had my second child, when I had my Joey, she brought me down some avocado brownies and they were so good. I have never, I don't do this swap often, actually, I should be honest. Mostly just because avocados are so darn hard to time. (laughs) I love making fresh guac and I love avocado toast. I just hate trying to time when avocados are going to ripen and things like that. So 
I don't have avocados around all that often. I have just been buying, we do love guacamole, but I've been buying just a prepackaged one so that I can make sure that it's ready for taco night. It's not like this waiting game of the like five minute window that an avocado decides to ripen. <laughs> uh, you guys know, you know, it's true. If you like avocados, it's like you wait for it for four days, you miss the window and then it's brown and disgusting. All right, so yeah, avocado you can clean swap in there for butter. I do want to try that though with a couple more recipes, especially that's a good little challenge for myself. Okay, next, if a recipe calls for cream cheese or sour cream, you can try Greek yogurt. And this is one, I always clean swap it for sour cream. If something calls for sour cream, I will use just equal parts Greek yogurt. I don't really ever, I don't think I've ever tried to substitute it for cream cheese. I just know that it is a substitution you could use. So you might need to watch the consistency of things there because obviously even cream cheese and sour cream have different consistencies. But another spot that I'll use yogurt in, and I'll just use plain Greek yogurt so that it is just adding protein to something. I have a blueberry yogurt muffin recipe that I have shared but I also, or maybe it's the pancake one, because I also use it in pancakes like this. Sometimes I will just, if a recipe calls for milk, I will use half milk and half the Greek yogurt simply to try to up the protein. Not that milk doesn't have protein, but to add it and in with the yogurt. I've also noticed that with most like muffins and pancakes, if I've subbed in a little bit of yogurt, it tends to make them fluffier. So I don't know if it's, I don't know what the reaction is there <laughs> chemically, but Yogurt works for me for that too. It's again, I just kind of eyeball it. This is why it's so hard for me to write down recipes for you guys and to get them into programs and things because I do just like to play around a lot. I'm like, hmm, this calls for buttermilk. I don't have buttermilk, but I could probably use part yogurt, part milk, or I know there's a workaround with that too with lemon juice and milk, but I've never tried that substitution. I'm pretty sure that's a substitution for buttermilk. So anyways, that is what you can do with cream cheese or sour cream. Try yogurt. Yogurt. Okay, and now we're gonna talk about flowers. So if you have not noticed, there are a million and four different kinds of flowers that you can use these days, which is awesome. It's so good for those of us who are trying to be a little bit cleaner, but especially for those who have intolerances and allergies. This one's getting tricky in my family because one of my sister's families has gone totally gluten-free and then uh, they were having some allergies and things, so they just kind of tried to do it as a family. And then one of my other sisters, her son, is peanut and tree nut allergy. So it's getting really hard. I was making a dessert for one of our last family events, and I was like, okay, I can't do, you know, gluten in any cookies or something, so I'll just make, like, almond flour cookies. I'm like, nope, no, I cannot, because <laughs> her son can't have almonds. And then I'm like, okay, well oat flour. Nope, the gluten-free family doesn't do oat flour. I think if I would have bought, 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 purchased, if I would have purchased gluten-free oats, ground my own powder, that would have been okay, but I don't know, ground my own flour rather. I don't know if regular oat flour is gluten-free. I'm sure you'd need it to say gluten-free on it. Anyways, these are my current dilemmas. You know what I ended up doing is I just made a big old charcuterie board of like various things dipped in chocolate. I did a little like dessert charcuterie. So it was strawberries dipped in chocolate, bananas dipped in chocolate, marshmallows dipped in chocolate, and pretzels dipped in chocolate. And it was really cute, but I was like, okay, I'm out of ideas for next time I have to do this because this is going to be our, you know, current situation. 
I obviously know there's an answer to here too where I could make two separate desserts, but I'm just a little leery of doing anything with peanut and tree nut right now with my sister's child because he is under two and there are just so many kids when we all get together. There's 15 nieces and nephews and it's really easy for someone to try to give him a bite of something or for him to grab something of someone. So I just try to avoid it. But anyway, for all of you, you can decide what is going to work best for your family regardless of sensitivities and nuts and whatever, all those things. So find what works for you here. But firstly, if a recipe calls for all purpose flour and you want to still use a grain flour, you can just pretty much almost clean swap that for whole wheat. Whole wheat flour is a little bit more dense. A lot of you have probably baked with this before and realized that it's almost like you want to use three quarters cup of whole wheat flour for every one cup of one cup of all purpose flour. I usually just do it like cup for cup and then I add a little bit more liquid, whatever the liquid was, milk or applesauce or something to make it a little bit smoother since the whole wheat flour is a little more dense. However, if you've been listening forever, you know what I'm going to say next is you should try einkorn flour. So this is, if you have not, just for those who have not listened, it's another opportunity for me to talk about it. Einkorn is an ancient green, so it is not as genetically modified as you know, the whole wheat flours and the all-purpose flours. It's very close to an ancient grain. It's high protein and weak gluten. I just think it tastes so darn good. I heard about it on another podcast like a year and a half ago, and it's amazing. It is expensive, but I think in the realm of the other flours we're talking about, it's very it's expensive compared to all-purpose flour, and, you know, it's a little bit pricier than whole wheat flour. But then once you're talking about almond flour and like chickpea flour, it's pretty comparable with those. So I order my einkorn flour from Jovial Foods and it comes in big old 10 pound bags and I can bake with it happily, but it tastes really rich, really buttery, etc. Einkorn also, you cannot just swap right in. It's going to take a little bit more baking powder or baking soda because it's the way that the, the gluten is weakened. It affects the rise and things like that. So I'm still a little bit figuring out how to work with it. Right now, I'm kind of just if I use einkorn in a regular recipe, adding a little bit of baking soda or baking powder, whichever I'm working with. And uh, that's just a beautiful swap. Like it's, again, still a grain, but most people who are even gluten sensitive can tolerate it. So that one's cool. But then you've got, I'm trying that one in the family. I've tried that a couple times because I think that actually will fit the bill for everybody. I just had to make sure that the gluten-free family was down to do ancient grain. But Almond flour is another good substitution for an all-purpose flour. This one I really like to use for cookies, pancakes. It kind of makes things a little almost like crispier. The green-free chocolate chip cookies I do are like crispy but chewy. Kind of hard to explain. It kind of gives it that finished off with a crisp but chewy vibe. (laughs) You also definitely taste, it tastes nutty. So if that turns you off, then I would probably go on to maybe the next one, which would be oat flour. And oat flour, I really like to use as well. This is one of my favorite ones because it's a little bit more middle of the road price-wise too. A lot of times I will just buy old-fashioned oats and I will just grind them up in the food processor into a flour and use it that way so it's a little bit cheaper. Um, I also think it's just a lot more neutral. I find that with oat milk as well because we have that going on in our house. We get almond milk, oat milk, and whole milk. But 
I think that oat is just a little bit more neutral. It doesn't, a lot of coconut things I think taste super coconutty, like coconut oil in things. And then almond flour I do think tastes very nutty. But oats, just kind of middle of the road, I don't think it has a strong taste either way. So oat flour, again, is a good swap for an all-purpose flour or a whole wheat flour. Just watch the consistency. Basically, all the takeaways from any of these flours is watch the consistency because they are really not clean swaps. Nothing's going to swap out perfectly. Uh, so I mentioned almond flour. I just kind of glossed over coconut flour. Coconut flour is one I don't use a ton of because I don't like the taste of coconut. I don't think it has as strong a coconut taste as coconut oil, but you can use it, especially if you like coconut. You can use it in muffins, in your baked goods, in your breads. Actually, this is one when I was doing a grain-free banana bread. I use a little bit of coconut flour and almond flour. I believe I use both in that recipe. So if I'm ever using coconut flour, it's usually with almond flour. Otherwise, I think it, it's also very dense. I've tried just a straight coconut flour muffin and didn't love that. So I usually use those two together. And then there are uh, spelt flour I really like as well. I've not used that as much as I've used almond flour or einkorn, but spelt is another one that is supposedly more of an ancient grain kind of flour. And again, a little bit more dense, kind of the consistency of coconut flour, but you can use it in breads and baked goods. And one that I have not tried that I put on the list is chickpea flour. And I'm sure that I have even skipped a bunch of other ones that they have because seriously, guys, there's so many options now. But yeah, chickpea is one I've not used and it'll be interesting. So if you've used it, let me know how the swapped work, how the swap worked and how you've liked it. But um, I do buy chickpea pastas and stuff, so I don't want to chickpea us out. But I might give that a go as well. Okay, so we covered sugar, oil, butter, cream cheese, and sour cream, and our flowers. And that is what I've got for you today in the baking department. So Believe me, I'm not about to tell you to swap out dark chocolate chips for anything, but actually there's a bonus one. If you use milk chocolate chips, I pretty much, I just only ever buy dark chocolate chips. The only time I don't is when it's my Christmas cookies. I will kind of do one or two healthier cookies and then like three or four of the classics because again, it's Christmas time. There's a time and place for that and I think that is then. <laughs> but that's there is one if you use a lot of milk chocolate you could just get a darker chocolate so it's a little bit more heart healthy and all those other benefits but you know it's chocolate at the end of the day so get what you want all right ladies that is it for me today and I hope you enjoy the rest of the day if you have not gotten my macro cheat sheet freebie it is over on my homepage at fitmomlifetothefullest.com just as soon as you go to the homepage, it pops up right there to get the macro cheat sheet. If you are wanting to start tracking your macros or get better at tracking your macros, I just give you some ideas of what is going to fill your ca your categories of carb, fat, and protein. So hop on over and grab that. It'll also put you on my email list so you can receive those weekly Thursday emails. Last note on that too, ladies, a lot of you have messaged me a few times there and said, okay, can I get the weekly emails? I'm like, yep. And then the next week, okay, can I get the weekly emails? Uh, many times it goes to your spam folder or your promotions folder. It's just kind of how it goes when you are sending it out with, you know, a third-party source, which is what I use. I don't, I'm not sending them out on from my Gmail. I'm using another website. So just peek in your promotions or spam if you have signed up and are not seeing the emails, okay? All right, ladies, have a great rest of your day. I will talk to you next time. Bye.